In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Dearly beloved in Christ, well, if we look around and we drive through the streets of Akron or Cleveland or Broadview Heights, we see that people are preparing for Christmas. Uh, when I went to my sister's for Thanksgiving Day, for Thanksgiving dinner, her house was already decorated for Christmas, so that as I sat down at the table, I wondered what meal I was really eating. Was I really eating Thanksgiving, or was I eating Christmas dinner? Because everything looked as if it were for Christmas. After all, we serve the same foods for Christmas that we do at Thanksgiving. Every nutty knows a turkey and some mistletoe helps make Christmas bright. Well, so there we are. Physically, people are preparing for Christmas, the celebration of Christmas. But how many are really preparing for the coming of Christ? Now, we might say that, oh, Christ has come already. He was born on Christmas Day, wasn't he? And so Christ has come, and we've celebrated that already, and we just celebrate the historical uh, occasion of uh, Christ's birth. In one sense, that is true. But when the church celebrates one of the mysteries of Jesus, meaning one of the events of his life, that's what a mystery of Jesus is. It equates to a, an event in Jesus' life. It's not just a historical commemoration of it. We make it present. And so Christ, I guess, is born again at Christmas when we celebrate it. But not only that, that's only one part of what Advent is all about. And these first two Sundays of Advent, last Sunday when we heard about the turmoil that will be in the cosmic powers when this coming, when Christ comes, and of course, uh, St. John the Baptist, wondering if when the first Christ came upon the earth and was performing his miracles, was this really the Christ? Was all of his work to prepare people for Jesus' coming, did it really bear the fruit that he wanted it to? Jesus says yes to him. He affirms what St. John the Baptist did in preparing the way for him. And we know that St. John the Baptist was a very penitential sort of fellow. He did not wear the soft garments that we often see him in. Of course, there's, I believe there's a statue of him in the back of church, uh, either there or here, of St. John the Baptist. And we kind of soften him up a little bit, you know, so that he looks nice, you know, for the artist's pictures and everything. And even on vestments, when he's embroidered on it or when he's engraved on a chalice or something, it's always very pretty to look at him. He looks a little uh, rustic, but not too much. 
But John in real life was very, very rustic, wearing uh, the skins of animals, which was the dress of a prophet in biblical times. And John wore this and, of course, ate uh, what was called locust and wild honey. Locusts meaning grasshoppers, and they weren't chocolate-covered either. So this was his food. So he couldn't have gained much weight, even though he uh, had honey, of course, but the food was not substantial. And so he was a very skinny sort of fellow. And yet he had a powerful voice. And in the passage just before this one that we read this Sunday, He criticizes the Pharisees, and he tells them, you say that you uh, belong to God and that you want to to repent, but where is your sincerity in all of this? You really have no sincerity. And that's what winds him up in the prison, besides the fact that he told Herod off, for marrying his brother's wife. And so John is in big trouble when he's in prison here. And he wonders whether what he did to prepare the way for Jesus was any good. And Jesus affirms John for his efforts, for his authenticity, and his sincerity. And during this time when we prepare for Christ's coming, not only at Christmas during these four weeks of Advent, but also for the coming of Christ again at the end of time, when the world will come to its conclusion, we don't know when, we have to be in earnest about preparing for those days as well. And so everything we do Everything we say, the attitudes we hold, count as to whether we will be prepared or not. None of us, none of us have laurels to stand on when it comes to facing God's justice. None of us. All of us come before God needing his mercy. And of course, God gives that mercy to us liberally. But we have to accept that mercy sincerely in our hearts and show him that we are in earnest about preparing the way for him and making a welcome place for him in our hearts. It just can't be lip service. We have to show it by how we live, by what we think, by what we say. And in doing so, then, we are truly prepared for Christ's coming. You know, when you look at people who are about to leave this world, and my parish has had a spate of funerals lately, and for every one of those funerals, I was there with them uh, when they were passing or on the way to it, close to it. And some are very ready 
for when Jesus comes. And they say, why doesn't he come for me already? Why, why do I have to wait around like this? And some are very, very afraid. Very, very afraid of what will happen next to them when Jesus comes to take them home. And, of course, that's because, I'm sure, you know, when we let things slip time and again, and we make excuses for ourselves, and we don't go about the work of repentance, meaning the change of mindset that we have to have, the change of attitudes, which then leads to our changing our actions and the words we speak, then we too will sometimes experience that fear as well. But to the degree that we allow Christ in our hearts and show our love for him each day by the way that we act and live and sincerely come before him with pure hearts and good dispositions, we can also welcome Christ when he comes. At Christmas, when he comes into our hearts in Holy Communion in a few moments, and of course at the end of time and at at the end of our lives when he comes uh, to take us with him. May our hearts be ready to receive Christ with joy and expectation and not be ashamed or fearful at his coming for us.